0: Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode has been all over the country with his primary goal of helping people get better. Better at leading, better at communicating, better at connecting, better at thinking, and better at performing. He is also an author, a speaker, and co-founder of, you got it, Better. He's worked with a laundry list of college athletic programs that we don't have time to name all here in this intro. Please welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Kevin DeShazo. So Kevin, how are we doing today? fantastic how are you i am doing well it's good to have you um i wanted to start off with the heavy hitting stuff i know you are a, a bit of a coffee fan so i want to know how you how do you like your coffee just black it's just straight. black but That's no like i'm, I'm a, to you to
1: your point i'm a bit of a coffee snob it's like no keurig uh i don't this could cost me sponsorships in the future i guess but not a starbucks i'll drink starbucks just not my not my coffee of choice sure um but I'm 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 pretty picky when it comes to coffee.
0: Yeah, you're, we kind of vibe on the same wavelength there. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, just just give it to me straight. Give it to me yeah. something good, some good beans. I don't like the Keurig cups. Those kind of you know. well,
1: it's like it's it's kind of uh, and and I mean you may have a different opinion on this, so we'll see. But you know, people <laughs> always say a good steak doesn't need a steak sauce, right? Like a good steak stands on its own good coffee stands on its own. You don't need creamer. You don't need sugar. Now, bad coffee. Like when I first started drinking coffee, it was kind of the corporate stuff. Like I was in the corporate world. So they, I don't, I don't know what it was, but by the time I was done with it, it was, it was no longer coffee, Uh, but that's what you had to do to drink it. And then I had actual
0: like good coffee and I was like, okay, I'm in, this is different. I grew up in the Midwest too, so Quick Trip coffee was like the first coffee. Quick, yes, trip, you know, you know, absolutely like loaded. Yeah. I don't know what was in it, but there was some yep. coffee too. Um, yeah, well, give our listeners a little bit of background. Love to catch them up just shortly on kind of your journey and and what's led you into the work you do now with colleges and leaders and companies across the country.
1: Yeah, so started out in the corporate world in, the, in kind of the healthcare recruiting space. Uh, left that after I don't know five, six, seven years, kind of living the American dream, but was just bored with it, miserable with it, um, and and wanted a new new challenge. And so went out on my own, started my own healthcare recruiting firm, failed miserably to the tune of zero dollars. Uh, which is not great when you're running a business. For those who are thinking about getting into business, like revenue is a good thing. It's kind of necessary. Um, <laughs> and so, but I'd always had this fascination with social media, really since Twitter came out. Um, I we'd used Facebook to do recruiting at our company when when the recession hit. Um, and but Twitter was just different because now I had access to everyone that I was interested in, and it's okay if they weren't interested in me. <laughs> they didn't have to follow me back in order to have a conversation. Right. And so I started um, learning really more about social media marketing under some actual social media experts at the time. This was when anybody who had a Twitter account was like, "I'm a social media expert." It's like, "Well, you're not." There's strategy and and actual wisdom and intentionality that has to go into that. Uh, so learned under some some local experts here in Oklahoma City, uh, and then told my wife, I'm "Like clearly, I'm great at business. I think I should start another one." Uh, and for some reason, she encouraged that that decision, and so started a company called Fieldhouse Media. Um, doing social media training for college athletes. And and the goal was to come in and say, look, this isn't the bad guy. It can actually be really useful if you understand how to use it well. So that led to conversations with coaches and administrators saying, hey, you guys are actually the ones on the ground every day with these student athletes. You've got to understand it at a higher level and and have better conversations. That led me to having conversations about leadership and culture, uh, which I'd always really been interested in, always found myself in leadership positions, whether I, I deserve them or not. And I just saw there was a big gap in leader development in in the college sports world. Not unique there, just where I spend my time. Sure. And and most leadership development in that world is now, and I'm certainly now to a degree play a role in this. But it's it's bringing a motivational speaker. It's like that was awesome, and then two weeks later, everything's back to normal. And so I I didn't know what to do with that. So I started a daily email. It's probably six seven years ago, uh, just to serve leaders in that space here's a thought mm-hmm. for the day here's a challenge something to think about and a few of them started saying hey we can you do a staff retreat and I was like ah, ethically I don't think I can't like I don't have any real content I could I could make it up but I'm just kind of giving ideas every day well, about that time Jeremy Kubitschek um, who I know was on, on the podcast recently yeah. so my wife had worked for giant it was her first job okay. uh, at a college that's how he and I got connected we didn't say we had stayed in touch over the years he was moving back from London and said, Hey, I want to let's, let's connect. I want to show up what I've been working on. So he walked through some of the giant tools and I was like, that's it. Like, I need that as, as a man, dad, husband, but here's what I'm trying to do in college sports. That's the piece. So we partnered together. So giant obviously still exists. He, he runs that. Um, and then he and I took a lot of the giant framework and tried to rebuild it for sports and called it culture wins. And then as of
0: two weeks ago, we rebranded that to better. Yeah. I know when we had Jeremy on, we didn't talk too much about better. He was talking about the rebranding just about mm-hmm, real mm-hmm. quick at that time. But uh, tell our audience what, what you guys do with better. And, and when you go in to go work with, you know, college athletic departments or organizations, um, what it's all about. Yeah, the, the the simplest version is we try to help them get better, right? Like, be, and, But what does
1: that what does that mean is we want them to be better leaders. Um, yes, performance, right? It's it's a sports world. As with most industries, it is a results oriented business. Um, So at the end of the day, every leader wants a higher performing team. And so most tend to focus on the performance piece. Like, well, there are other factors that actually lead to performance. So if we can help you think better, have a healthier mindset, have a better perspective, we can help you communicate better. If we can help you lead better, if we can help you connect better, all of those things will then lead to higher performance. But our, our kind of goal, um, is for, for the head coach or the athletic director or the, the leader in the room should be the healthiest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And in an era where so much is being thrown at college athletics, like more change at one time than probably yeah. ever before. I mean, we're seeing leaders left and right burn out saying, man, it's too much. Okay. And, and they can't handle it. And they're young, right? It's, yeah. it's, um, it's it's been fascinating to watch and we're saying, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. There there is a better way of operating, a better way of thinking, better way of leading, where yes, you're gonna be tired because you should be tired. If you're doing work that you care about, working hard, you should be tired, but that's different than burning out. Um so trying to kind of help leaders
0: re-rediscover their passion and and operate from a place of health. You touched on kind of the coaches and obviously the student athletes, but how mm-hmm. important is it when we, you know, we are bringing in outside people, or even if we're, you know, at a school where we're fortunate to maybe have people on campus, uh, to help us with leadership that the coaches are part of the kids process and that. And it's not oh, just, man. here's a speaker. Enjoy. I go do my football stuff or go do my coaching. Yeah. Uh, how, how important is not it dynamic to, oh,
1: it's a game changer, right? Because otherwise that you've completely wasted everyone's time and money. And so to bring in a speaker to say, Hey, that was really interesting. And like, well, if, if the coach doesn't do something with that, what he what they actually told the players like hey this isn't actually valuable i'm just checking right. a box because people bring in speakers so i guess we're supposed to do that but if nothing changes right. then, then then nothing changes uh, and so to have you know one of the things we're doing a lot with with ou football is like we're actually traveling with the team we're there on a consistent basis meeting with yeah. the coaches meeting with the players and so that's that's obviously a different level than than most are going to do but if you can give and part of it too is that, that what people try to do with coaches is not scalable. So they try to give them a thought or whatever, and it dies with the coach. They, they may be interested, like, Hey, this is really good, but they don't have a way to scale that or multiply that right. into the team. So that's part right. of what we try to do is create content and systems that are are scalable from the head coach to the assistant coaches, to the support staff, down to the players. Um, you know, there's this, this huge conversation that's been going on. I don't know the last five, 10 years, maybe longer around the student athlete experience. Yeah. And most of it has been like, you need a better weight room, need better nutrition, need be- need a barber shop, you need a slide, you need whatever. And fine, like good, good things. I think the best thing you can possibly do to invest in the student athlete experience is to invest in the growth and health of their coaches. Yeah. Because that's who they spend the most time. And, and other support staff, the people who actually touch the student athletes on a day-to-day basis, if we're not investing in them and equipping them to be healthier leaders, you can have all the cool stuff you want. And they're still going to say, this is an awful experience. Yeah. As as opposed to, you could have very average facilities, healthy, great coaches, and those student athletes are going to leave saying, that was the best four years of my life because my
0: coach was healthy. They knew me, they valued me, and they equipped me to get better in the real world. Yeah, I always think it does a good job of selling what four mm-hmm. years can be than delivering on what four years will absolutely become. Yep. Yep. Um, and I know, uh, I think on the flip side too, you know, not... Oklahoma and a lot of the big you know athletic departments these resources are you know they've had depth they're they're a little bit further along um and sometimes I I think there is an adage to sometimes student athletes young people need to hear some of the same things from different people
1: yeah um especially if
0: they're not fortunate to have a consistent you know someone involved with their program uh like you guys uh what is it that you know Value that an outside voice can bring a program because I know some coaches are very particular, but then you look at you know Saban and Clemson—they're bringing in different voices to support Mm -hmm. their mission and align with what they're doing, not just randomness. Um, But how important it is to bring in some outside voices that do align with where you're trying to take your program. Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's it's pretty critical, um, and the the big key, as you said, is they have to
1: align with the values. Of the program you bring in some random speaker like oh gosh that was may have been a good speaker but that is not that's not what we're about that's not in line with our program sure. and i i think bringing in a speaker who again is in line with, with the values of the program just adds credibility to the coach sure. because it's like because you can tune out and and coaches may hate hearing this but they also i think know it uh there, there's truth to it at some point your players may tune out your voice at certain points in a season. I remember Steve Kerr a few years ago, like he he backed out of a timeout and I don't know if it was Draymond who let it or Steph. They're like, he's like, what was that about? He goes, sometimes players just get tired of my voice. I need to let someone else speak into them. Yep. And so one, that takes massive humility from a coach to say, Hey, doesn't always have to be my voice. Um, but two, what, what those speakers are saying are probably very similar, if not the same thing to what the coach has said a hundred times. Sure. But when you bring in an outsider, who this is what they do for a living. They're not just laser focused on a program. It's like, Hey, this is what works. I see teams all over the country. I see organizations This is, this is what works. This is what's true. This is what's good. Then players are like, Oh, maybe I should listen to coach that. Maybe I should dial in a little bit. Like it's not just some saying this is, this is real stuff. So I think it it adds some credibility to a coach.
0: Yeah. Um, talked about the student athlete experience. If I could give you a magic wand and Wave that, and tomorrow you could change something about it. What would what would you do with your magic wand? Well, that is a bold question. What would I do to change the student-athlete experience? It's magic, so there's not a lot of limitations here. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would, and this may be a weird answer, uh, I would pull back the curtain day one for them and say, here's reality. Because coaches, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that they're lying, although some I'm sure certainly do, they are selling the best version possible to a student athlete. You're going to be the big man on campus. You're going to be the key player on my team. You're going to be the all star. You're going to get the ball every you know every possession. And then when these guys and girls get to campus, they're like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm nothing. (laughs) You know, I'm not only am I not playing, I might not even be traveling. I thought you said, and you put me in a Ferrari and we took cool pictures and you told me I was a big deal. And then coach like, man, these young kids are so entitled. You got to earn it, which is true, but you just spent three years recruiting them, telling them how special they were. And so I think day one, that creates this, this interesting dynamic where there's a, a lack of trust and but to be, be able to say to a student athlete hey this is what it's going to look like do you have this potential yeah do we see this type of opportunity in your future absolutely and we're going to do our part we're day one day two day three here's what we're going to do to equip you to give you the opportunities here's what you have to do you have to do this and this and this and this if you don't do that all the stuff that we're selling you is never going to come true we're going to do our part and then, and then coaches and the staff have to live up to that promise. But, but laying out those expectations, I think so many people talk about the transfer portal and there's, there's massive issues with the transfer portal. Um, but a lot of it ends up happening simply because expectations weren't met and that's not entitlement. That's if I go take a job with a company, like, Hey, you've got this benefit and this and this and this, and you're going to, and none of that's true. I'm like, Oh, you lied to me. I'm going to go work for a different company. That's going to tell me the truth. So I think a lot of the issues we deal with could be the whole recruiting process. I think is just broken. Um, and it, and it
0: lends itself to these, these unmet expectations. You talked about, uh, trust there. I think one of the things that makes my ears sizzle is when I hear young coaches, sometimes I want to get by and how do I get by? And Mm -hmm. I feel like they're usually asking for something else. (laughs) And for me, it's, (laughs) it's, they want trust. And I, and I think I always, you know, you can push a kid as far as they trust you and yep. challenge them as much as they trust you. But yep. when coaches are, you know, metaphorically maybe looking for this buy-in or trying to, you know, develop trust in a short, maybe a high school season, get yeah. limited time, trying to develop yep. trust with athletes. What are yeah. some ways they can, you know, develop quality relationships that are gonna get them in that direction? Yeah, I think
1: that's that's the word relationships, because they coaches too often they want trust so that they can bring challenge i want this kid to try i know what's best for 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 them i need them to trust me and like well that you've got to earn that trust which takes time um i heard a great uh speaker this past weekend guy named andy crouch who writes a lot on, on families and kids and culture and he talked about uh too many people want to make an impact and so we created this formula impact is f over t force over time big f small t you've created an impact. So he used the example, like here in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City bombing, high force in a single moment, massive impact. But typically with impact, um, the change trails over time, like massive in the moment and it kind of trails off. He said, really, we should be about influence. And the formula he used was F to the T. And, And F is this faithfulness in relationship over time. Well, you don't need a big F, you need a big T. So like it takes time to build trust. It takes you showing up day after day after day and connecting with those kids, yeah. saying, "Hey, how's your family? How hey, you doing? All right today? Anything you need? Hey, what what would make this better for you? Anything that you need for me? Do I need to change something for you? It's just those little moments, and it. I think too often we hear connecting, building relationships with with uh, team in general, whether it's high school kid, college kid. Corporation, we think, man, I've got to sit down and have a like counseling session once a month. You need a campfire, like hold hands, sing kumbaya. It's like no, just connect with them. Yeah. Like these little informal moments, that's how you build trust. Like it's it's cliche as old as time, but it's like you they they don't care much you know until they know how much you care, yeah. and that's relationship. And and a lot of coaches, you know, we hear all the time, oh, we've got a caring problem in our world. No, we don't. We have an issue. We have a problem with showing how to care. I think people care. They just don't know what caring looks like for the person across from them. And coaches are like, I actually saw a video um, yesterday. Inky Johnson kind of talking about this. We use the idea of support and challenge, um, but he's like, coaches and leaders, like, of course I love you. Of course I'm. I've got this practice plan. I've done this and this and this. I'm putting you, but that's not relationship. And so coaches are wired to think if I've if I'm organized, that's my that's my way of showing that I care. If I've done all the hard work, if I'm here. You should know that I care. It's like, no, you've got to show them in their way
0: that you care. Yeah. Then you'll actually have that trust, yeah, I love that when uh, you talk about uh, time, mm-hmm. I think when i when I read uh, keep chopping wood over your shoulder mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know, and that analogy of chopping wood, I think and going through the book, that was one of the things that I think or one of the lessons that stuck out to me in in the journey was that how far in advance you chop wood for it to dry out and not ruin a chimney and those other factors. Um, And that there's this gap sometimes for a year or even more from when, again, like that moment, the impact I'm chopping wood, it's it's a heavy impact. It's draining. It's physically exhausting. And then there's this time piece that came along. And I think why is this balance of maybe some patience and persistence so important when we're, maybe chasing our athletic goals or or mm. trying to adjust to chase the the one that's just beyond sports. Yeah, cuz I think we believed the lie and sold
1: the lie that uh, of the overnight success. And we know it's not true. Like if you ask people like they know it takes time, but then in our when our, in our own heads when it comes to us, we expect it to happen overnight. Like we we know it takes time, but for us we just get so impatient. I think a lot of it because we're so desperate to prove to other people we want other people to see us as successful or achieving this thing instead of just being patient with, with the journey. I think, um, you know, there's a great story in the Bible of David. I, I believe he was told he was going to be King and it was 13 years later until he became King mm-hmm. and he had multiple opportunities, like take out Saul and like take ownership of the throne. He's like, Nope, it's not time. Sure. And so it's, it's patience is such a superpower in our world. So I'm playing the long game. I'm going to keep, I, I, cause too often we get, we get, bored with it we get frustrated with it we get we feel like failures in the midst of the process um you know Seth Godin uh, his book probably 30 years ago now the dip right you get excited you have a couple wins and then everything whether it's a sports team sales team whatever you're, you're going to experience hardship you have the dip and most people they cannot handle the discomfort of the dip It's like, I I can't, I can't deal with this. I got to get out. I'm failing this. I got to get off this ship. And sometimes that is the right move, right? Sometimes that is wisdom. It's like, Hey, this is, this is not going to rebound. I got to get out. But too often you bail before there's breakthrough. And so realizing that dip, you're going to keep, you're going to go down for a bit, but if you keep showing up, keep doing the work, you'll climb out of it. And then you're going to get to where you want to be. But we've, we've created in this world, um, this, this desperate pursuit of comfort. Um, or maybe even the, it's the other side. It's this like voracious, um, elimination of discomfort. Yeah. We want no discomfort in our lives because we can't wrestle with it. We can't wrestle with silence. Can't wrestle with our own thoughts. Can't wrestle with any discomfort. And so at the first sign of discomfort or failure, like this, this has to be bad. I've got to leave. It's like no, that's where the growth actually comes. So the people who who can lean into that discomfort, like those, are the ones who accomplish great things, It's like, hey, this part of the process, as opposed to bailing, starting over, and then bailing and starting over, and then bailing and start. Every time it gets hard or uncomfortable, people are like, I, I'm out. This is this is weird. It's like no, just just wrestle on that for a little bit.
0: you, uh, you call it the lie? Because I had a question here that I wanted to ask. It was about you know you come across student athletes and sometimes coaches too that you know that this journey or success is going to be very linear and you just talked about Mm -hmm. the dips. And Mm so I guess I'm just the new term that came to my mind was this linear lie we're told. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, But I've seen sometimes in, and for a lot of kids, it's been pretty linear for a couple of years and Mm -hmm. then there is that dip, there is that adversity and they're still kind of in that spotlight being asked to lead maybe without being shown how Um, Mm -hmm. what can, I think a lot of kids that end up in that position, I think I was one in high school <laughs> at times, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're thrust to lead because of talent, but how can we help, or what does a kid do when maybe they're feeling that maybe first real adversity in, in their journey? Yeah. That's a little more yeah. of a dip.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one, it's, it's you, what's critical for people to have is to have good people around you. Yeah. Uh, and where you can say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Like I've never experienced failure. I, I was, I was the guy, I was a girl. And now like, I'm struggling, I'm not getting, whatever it may be. Um, cause it's really hard to go through things alone and most people feel alone is, is especially in the midst of adversity. They, they feel alone. Um, so I think realizing that you actually do have community, like if you're on a team, you've, when, when you're struggling, you start to believe everyone is against you, that everyone's given up on you. Nobody's for you. It's like, no, they're your teammates and they're your coaches. Like they actually do want success for you. So I think number mm-hmm. one, um, You have to you have to work on your mindset to realize like people want to help me. Uh, Who can I go to for help? What does this look like? I think number two, and 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 all of this just goes back to mindset of saying, hey, this is part of the process. This is part of the pick an athlete, pick an entrepreneur, pick a leader in any field, and you will find seasons, not just a season, but seasons of failure, seasons of struggle. And we always again look at the success, not realize like I mean they've gone through who knows how many seasons of just complete what, what the world would call failure. Like, that's okay. I'm just going to keep going. And so we, we have to learn to reframe it. I think too often, um, you know, we, we put up like a picture frame around like the, the descent of the dip. Like this is, this is how it's always going to be. This is the final, um, this is, this is permanent. You take that picture frame off, you realize like, oh, you're going to over the long run, it looks linear, but there's all these little dips, dips in the middle of it. right? Right. And you're just on one of those dips like, oh no, you're actually still going in the right direction have a, have a better perspective. Um, a mentor of mine gave me a great quote a few years ago. He said, um, you know, you can't control your circumstances, but you can control your perspective and your perspective in the midst of your circumstances will determine your experience. So if you have an unhealthy, negative, selfish perspective, like those failures are going to, are going to seem even worse. But if you can have this, this perspective, like, Hey, this is part of it. I'm not broken. Everything's Okay trust the plan, trust, the trust the people around you, surround yourself with, with, um, with better voices. You'll, you'll start continuing to move in the right direction. And that experience it's still gonna be difficult. Like adversity is, is what it is. Nobody's like, ah, yes, failure. Like what a great day. Um, but it's going
0: to be a, a better experience and you'll move through it faster. And I think, you know, obviously when those dips happen, it's, uh, I think sometimes I think we question ourselves. We question, yep. Our beliefs and i've heard you talk yep. on other podcasts about beliefs so i saved this yep. topic for last um how important is it to develop and curate this self-belief and i think one thing yep. i always tell kids is you're gonna have to believe in yourself before others really will yeah and i yep. think in, in a lot of dynamics but how do we help them build and curate that yep. self-confidence i yeah.
1: heard a great quote the other day um i'm gonna butcher it i wish i would have written it down um but it was along the lines of uh, faith is something that only makes sense in reverse. So I, same thing with belief, right? It's like, it may be irrational people be like, what you, they, they don't see it yet. They don't know what you're capable of yet, but then you accomplish it. And then that belief in reverse, like, Oh, it makes sense. Of course he could do that. Of course she could accomplish that. Um, so I think, I think belief is the superpower that drives everything. It was the book that I was going to write, but I got distracted and wrote this one instead. Um, But I I think if if you don't believe in it, quit. Like you're you're wasting your time and everybody else's time. If you don't believe it's possible, if you don't believe in yourself, like it's it's you're never gonna achieve what you actually want to achieve. Now belief doesn't guarantee it. There are no guarantees, but belief gives you at least a chance of achieving those goals, having success, accomplishing what you want to accomplish uh, because it's gonna get hard, right? We talked about it. Adversity is gonna happen. It doesn't matter how great of a teammate you are, great of a leader you are, great of a culture you have, how much money you have, like you will face adversity period so one expect that but too often when adversity hits doubt gets really really loud yeah. it's normal right it's okay it's like that doesn't again we we've, we've got to learn to wrestle with these thoughts and and too many give in to doubt instead of having something to battle it with but when you battle that doubt with belief it's like hey this is hard yep that's all right i can do hard things you know you might fail i might not you know you you start to to battle that doubt with belief and you know if it's, it's i always think of it like going down a highway right and there's all these off ramps like uh and whenever doubt h- hits all these off ramps like it's scary you're going to fail they're going to laugh at you like all these excuses all these fears and when you doubt you're like it's, it's the first sign of adversity you're like yep you're right it is hard and you bail you take that off ramp and you really you just circle around get back on a new highway <laughs> until there's adversity again take the next off ramp and so you just spin in circles um Whereas like belief, you have the same fears. You have the same doubts. You have the same insecurities. Those are normal. But when you believe, you hear those voices like, that's all right. I know where I'm going. I believe what's possible. I believe that this can happen. And so that belief overpowers the doubt. But to your point, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Uh, and so you, you have to fill yourself with belief every day and it's not ego. It's not saying I'm better than someone right. or I deserve something. It's like, no, I was made for greatness. That doesn't mean money or fame or it's like you are, you were made to be more than average. So when you believe that your actions start to either rise or fall to your level of of belief. So, so weak belief,
0: weak behaviors, uh, elite belief, elite behaviors. I think, uh, that behavior transition, I, was, I like to use the analogy of, uh, belief is off is, is your bow. Right? Yeah, And yep. I think energy is your arrow environments, yep. everything that before, after and around yep. you. Yeah. Action is you actually got to take the dang shot. Yeah. Right. But if you don't have a yep. good bow, it's going to be real hard to take any kind That's of shot. Right. right? Put yep. down the bow, yep. like you said, but yeah. how, you know, and when our belief and our energy is aligned, disciplined, we can hit targets. Yep. How do we make sure that that self-belief comes out as authentic energy maybe to our teammates and not arrogant ego yeah i
1: think when you use your belief to um pour it into others right when your your belief isn't isn't um always coming back to you you're you're using that belief to to build others up cuz they're going to doubt and so when you're using your your belief to overcome their doubt um uh, they're going to experience that now they may get annoyed cuz that's life right if people are struggling and you're like hey we've got this it'll be good like you're going to have negative people and that's okay. Um, but I think it's using your belief, not for your own good, but for the benefit and value to build up those around you. That's when they're going to receive that in a healthy way. It's like, all right, this isn't just ego. This isn't just some cocky punk. Like he he doesn't just believe it for himself. Like he believes it for all of us that we have what it takes. And so using that belief, um, whatever the famous quote is, like a leader is a dealer in hope or belief. Um, and so like leaders have to multiply that belief into other people because I think that's a huge role for a leader because those, those you lead, they're going to, they're going to doubt and probably bigger than the leader does because it's not necessarily their vision. They've got less pressure. It's like, it's just different. Um, And so if, if if they doubt and the leader doubts, you're in trouble, but when they doubt, it doesn't mean they're, they've abandoned the mission. It's like they're human. They're going to have those days, but for the leader, your belief has, has
0: to, to fill up their doubt. Love it. Mm. Last question. If you uh, go back a, a few years before you started working with teams, because mm-hmm. um, sometimes when you're also, the coach puts you in front of a team or athletic yep. department, yep. Um, you have to quickly earn some respect or trust. What, what's a lesson you've learned over time that you wish you knew um, a little bit earlier, working with teams Excuse- and different athletes?
1: I think um, authenticity, I think my, my tendency, uh, like I have a people pleasing tendency that really just comes out of insecurity. And so there, there have been times where I felt like I needed to be something for a team or be someone in front of a team, right? Like I've got to, I've got to act the part or be, and, and people can just sniff that out because really what it is, it's like, I'm making it about me and not them. Uh, and so I think when I'm at my best, it's I'm, I'm standing up in front of them. Hey, what does this group need? What, what do I have that I can give them to help them, to serve them, to invest in them uh, and just show up with authentic, authenticity in those spaces? Cause people can connect with that. You don't need to be, uh, and especially with young, with young people, young people are the most difficult people on the planet to talk to like from a, from in terms of, of public speaking stuff. And it's, but it's in a good way because they can just, they can just sniff out the BS. Like if you're trying to be cool or trying to be something like, who is this guy? Like and they're completely checked out. It's like, which is great because, like, it's like, no, they just want you to be you. Um, yeah. To acknowledge that you're a 42 year old idiot that doesn't know a whole lot about 15 year olds these days. But it's like, I don't need to. I don't need to walk in using their lingo as if I, I'm one of them. Um, I I can just be me, and I've got enough experiences and um, and stories and and hopefully you know wisdom that's come from failures that that can can help them. So I think just the need to be authentic um, is actually what, what most people want to learn from. Thank mm-hmm. you.